Welcome to AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. If you go to Google and start typing a question, the search engine will anticipate what you're doing and propose a handful of common questions that start the same way. Like when I type, how old is, Google thinks I might want to know the age of Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Spider-Man star Tom Holland or SpongeBob SquarePants. This function is called autocomplete as Google uses its fancy algorithm to finish your thought for you. It's a little creepy, but it's also interesting because it tells us what questions people are Googling the most. Jesuit priests Patty Gilger and Eric Sundrup use this as the starting point for their new YouTube series called Jesuit Autocomplete, which is produced by America Media. In each episode, Patty and Eric answer a different set of Google's most popular questions about the Jesuits, Bible, Pope Francis, and other topics. They're not prepped on the questions beforehand and have to wade into some pretty tricky waters with questions like, what does the Bible say about foreigners? Patty and Eric answer each question with a great mix of humility, insight, approachability, and humor. I invited them on to AMDG to talk about Jesuit autocomplete. Yes, but more importantly, to draft saints in an MBA-style selection process. We each picked a squad of five saints, and I think I won, but you'll have to judge for yourself. Also, every saint is good, so it's probably impossible to lose in this game. Thanks for subscribing to AMDG wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you're feeling generous, please leave us a nice review on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Well, Father Eric Sundrup and Father Patty Gilger, thank you so much for coming on AMDG today uh, to talk a little bit about your series, Jesuit Autocomplete, which I've really loved. Uh, first, I guess you could just tell me a little bit about yourselves. We'll start with you, Eric. Oh, great. Uh, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, currently, I am the pastor of Bellarmine Chapel, which is um, a parish in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. It's also on the campus of Xavier University. Oddly enough, also in Cincinnati. It's funny how that works out. But uh, I recently started this job in July. And before that, um, in fact, when Autocomplete was being recorded and uh, set up, I was working as an associate editor at American Media. So that's how I got involved with Jesuit Autocomplete. My name is Father Patty Gilger. I'm a Jesuit priest from the Midwest province as well, just like Eric. But unlike Eric, I still live in New York City where I'm studying, <laughs> doing a PhD in sociology at the New School for Social Research. So I work for America part-time and a few other places part-time, but mostly I study. So you put this together at America. I didn't realize. So the season has been recorded. It's in the bank, and then you're just letting out episodes as they come up. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it takes, a, it takes some time to, um, to edit Patty and I and then properly uh, set up the audio <laughs> and f fix things. So they, they've got uh, people working on that. Um, We'll see if we'll see if there's another season. I'm, I'm waiting to hear about that. All right. So for folks who haven't heard it, let's just do a little introduction. What is the series, uh, and where did the idea come from? Um, it came from, uh, and see, this makes me so nervous because I didn't double check. I didn't do my fact checking here, but I'm pretty certain I was approached by Leo Stubner. He's a, a Jesuit of the German province who was working in America at the time and wanted to do a, a series based on Wired Autocomplete. Now, Wired uses actual celebrities. In this case, you just have Patty and I. Um, <laughs> where they, uh, where they wanted to do some stuff where you know, they, they, they Google usually a celebrity's name or something about a movie or something pop culture-wise, and then they reveal that you know the top five autocompletes, and then they talk about them and banter about them. And we thought, because so many people are asking us frequently questions about Jesuits, about Pope Francis, that it would be a really interesting way of letting people 
you know, get some of the big questions that are out there answered. Because if they're in autocomplete, they're, they're, they're a common question. So we wanted to do something sort of fun and humorous, but also uh, that, you know, had some meat to it, you know, talked about questions that mattered to people of faith or not faith. I mean, people that just have questions about the judgments of the Pope. Yeah. So the two of you are, are in there together, seem to have like a nice kind of rapport, slightly different personalities kind of working We're together. We're faking it the whole time, but yes, yes, we do. Um, <laughs> I really just had to withhold a lot of insults that I wanted to hurl at Eric while not on the camera. Well, this, this we podcast have, is a exactly. chance to get all that stuff out that you didn't get to say on camera if you need to air grievances. <laughs> Yeah, the airing of grievances. No, we're we're good friends. We've known each other um, for a very long time since uh, we were in first studies together at uh, Loyola University in Chicago. So there's a there's a there's a there's a rapport that's natural. It's part of it. And then you know, uh, there's a couple of shots in there where you can see I'm I'm looking off camera or talking to people. So there's there's a crew in there helping out too. And it's it's a fun thing to do. Like you just get kind of get to riff and play and have fun. And I, yeah. I, I enjoy that. And, and they edit out you know when you make yourself look like a complete moron. Or in my case. When Patty leads me into the wrong answer about an encyclical versus an exhortation, uh, <laughs> then they pause the video and make it look like it was entirely my fault. See, this is yeah, studio tricks, fault. right? You have to watch out for studio tricks. Studio tricks. Um, yeah. So the again, the, the idea here is we have questions that people are asking. They're asking the internet, and then here you are to answer them. Now, when the questions are revealed in the episode, are they are you seeing them for the first time, or have you had some chance to prepare? No, um, to be honest, when we got there, that we were look, learning what those questions were for the first time. In fact, like the producers, Leo Stubner, who Eric mentioned earlier, uh, he was insistent. He's like, he's like, don't look behind the tape there. You know, make sure make sure that you're not uh, you're not guessing there, and we'll just see what you guys come up with on the spot. So I was really surprised, and a couple times was like, uh, I really would have liked to have been able to prepare for this, but this is all right. <laughs> so what were what were some yeah. of the the trickier questions? you saw that at least in the episodes that have yet to air some of the ones that, that you had to kind of stop and really think about. There's one that's already out. There's a question about Medjugorje um, because there was, there was some controversy with one of the Pope's statements on that, what exactly he was referring to. And that required, you know, a lot of like, Oh my gosh, can I remember exactly what happened here? Because there's a lot of details, right? So when you're, when you're on the fly there, it's hard to have all the details there. And if you've ever been on the internet and you mess up a detail, Someone will tell you <laughs> deep offense to it. So uh, you want to be careful there. So the, there were a couple of times we had to do a take because I'd be like, wait a minute, let me think. That, I got to say that again because I said the detail wrong. But um, it was the first time I had seen the question. Yeah. No, for me, the uh, the most challenging one was the question about whether Pope Francis was a communist. And it's not because he it's it's not because we don't know like the, the yes or no answer like he's not a communist but there are really interesting details inside that question or whether he's a marxist you know and there are really interesting details inside that question that ought to be taken on about liberation theology and about his care for the poor and about his challenge of an unregulated capitalism all those kinds of things need to be addressed but you also want to do this in a way that's a little bit lighthearted and not overly serious and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was hard for me to balance that, but I remember watching that one after it went up and feeling like, yeah, that's, I gave a fine answer. Like everything was fine, but I also was like, I wish I could have that one back. It was like, there was a, you know, a meatball <laughs> right down the middle of the plate. And I feel like I hit a single and could have tripled. I mean, it, 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 it's hard to keep, you know, a lighthearted conversation about the separation of labor and capital. Like <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be, that'll be real easy. I, I think one of the other things that Patty's getting at there, which I think is super helpful, is this 
autocomplete, which, you know, Wired and uh, a bunch of other uh, magazines have used, you know, just as a way to for sort of promotion, also allows us to sort of ask, um, I, this sounds a little arrogant, but it's sort of like ask a better question. Because when you Google, you're, you're just Googling like a quick thing to get a bunch of different answers. But yeah. then it allows us to talk about, hey, you know, as Patty's pointing out there, what are all the things that go into that question of, is the Pope a communist, right? What do you, what do, you, what do people mean? What are the different angles they're coming from? How can we break that question open? Yeah, I think to be that's honest, the fun part of what's going on. Sorry, Sonny. It's a, to be honest, it's a big, okay. um, I think it's a big priority for the Society of Jesus, where what our mode of ministry is, is deeply incarnational, which means taking more seriously the experience of actual people. So even if people themselves are just kind of having an inkling, like you sit down there and you open up the, you know, your Chrome browser or whatever, and you're like, okay, blah, 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 to figure out some small uh, something that you have a, a, an inclination to investigate. That is still a sense of, a, there's a deep desire there. Like there can be a, a, a deep desire to be explored by taking this person more seriously rather than kind of dismissing the question or just answering with a yes or no thing or giving the, you know, uh, de facto rote answer, but take the person seriously. What is motivating them? Like that's where it's fun for me to think. Yeah, about I mean, it's kind things. of risky, right? Because it's not curated. It is like the world what people are asking, uh, going right to some some cases like hot button questions, things that we you know in some ways would rather ignore or be easier to ignore. But here, kind of saying, yeah, let, let's take those on. And it's as you're saying, it's meeting people. Uh, well, it's very online, right? The whole series is it's looking at Google <laughs> questions and answers. It's posting on YouTube. It's taking this you know this format from like this vernacular of web publications. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's a question kind of about Catholic internet, right? It can kind of be a cesspool sometimes, just generally internet, uh, social media, and even within the Catholic <laughs> world of that, you know, people not necessarily being as charitable with each other, uh, as we might be called to be. Uh, so I guess, yeah, that's a question. How did you think about that? Sometimes there's a temptation to just disengage from the internet or the online world because it can be so awful but then another way is no like we need to be there like it's a missionary territory we should be there so what what are the two of you how do you approach that that question about um doing ministry online i mean i think one 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 thing you know you you noted um like that this is risky but i mean you know preaching the gospel is risky being christian is risky so yeah this is nothing in some sense new there it's just in a different area different territory which is fine uh, I think we have to we have to be there. And even if you're going to get like, you know, troll responses and things like that, we've got thick enough skin to handle that. And we've been doing it for a while. So I'm, I'm used to I mean, there's very few things I haven't been called yet by someone online. So I'm, I'm getting used to uh, most most of that. Every now and then there's something new. And I find that actually more fascinating than uh, than upsetting. I was like, wow, I'd never heard that one before. That's a, that's a clever way of going about it. But I think what matters most is you know, not necessarily someone that's trolling you, but the person that glances by did have those questions and listens to it. And it creates in them the ability to ask another question, to go slightly deeper, to find another resource, um, to not be afraid to ask those questions. Those are the people you're trying to hit, not, not, you know, and they may never, you know, tell you that, and you may never know that, but that's, that's the person you want to make sure you're paying attention to. Yeah. Eric will not be surprised to hear me say this, but it's a, 
I respond very differently to those experiences of criticism or trolling. <laughs> they're, they're really difficult for me. And, uh, and so still like we've gotten a, you know, we had many positive comments about the autocomplete stuff. And I think a lot of people have found them really fun and helpful and, and engaging and light. And I hope that Eric and I's friendship is visible on the, on camera so that our friendship can bleed over into like a model of the church. And that's really look like, Friends in the Lord is a model for what the church is, but when we've also gotten a number of, you know, pretty pretty negative responses, but mostly these are from people who are unwilling to engage with anything that we're saying, and uh, that for me is just painful. Like it's just difficult and something I've had to continue to bring to Jesus, just to be like, hey, my friend, um, I need to share this moment of hurt with you and help give me the strength, please to continue to minister in the real world if this is what you want me to do. And I say real world intentionally because as another good friend of Eric and I's always says, um, the digital world is the real world. Like it's a different space and there are different things that happen there, some of which are much more fragile, some kind of you know modes of interaction that can be unhealthy at times or kind of bring out the worst in people. But these are still real people and people deserve to be taken seriously there in their reality and whatever reality is present there. So I hope that that kind of stuff can happen. Um, one big part of it is to present a model of what the church is there and what I hope can happen. Like really what I really hope can happen there is that we will not allow people's refusal to see consolation to prevent us from giving consolation to others. So like we just can't let that happen. And we cannot allow rejection to prevent us from offering again, whatever gift we have to offer, whatever gift the Lord wants us to offer. Yeah. And that, that would be a very properly pious way of describing it. I think that's perfect. I mean, I'm always saying stuff like sort of vernacular and then Patty cleans me up a little bit and then I take whatever Patty says and I, I steal some of that and then that's how I'll respond next time someone asks me that. <laughs> no, I, I like what it's doing, right? That It seems that it is. It's playful. It's joyful, but it asks big questions. It's not afraid of them. Uh, it's accessible. I think, again, a lot of the, the mark on, you know, if I talk to friends of mine who I grew up Catholic with who are not there anymore, it's not that they're really angry at the church. They're just kind of like, eh, this doesn't seem relevant anymore. Like, why would I do that when I could do other things where I find more community and um, things that are really w willing to engage ah, uh, big yeah. questions that I have? And so, yeah, I think that's such an important thing for us to do as church is to take those questions seriously, even the ones, again, that are just fired off into into Google. And yeah, to let, let us go kind of go deep into them. Uh, so uh, people can find the, at least the seasons coming out. What is it like one episode a week uh, for a while? Um, yep. On America's, America's YouTube channel, uh, that would be youtube.com forward slash America Media. Eric should know this. He worked there and now he's blanking on it. That's another, maybe that will come up in the future season of Jesuit Autocomplete. What is the America Media YouTube channel? People will be searching for it, but they can find it. Um, and again, it's, it's been great. And I think, yeah, hopefully getting a good response and seems like a, a lots of engagement on, on social media. Uh, so we are, with the rest of our time today, not going to do another episode of Jesuit Autocomplete. You can find all of those uh, on, on YouTube, America. America's YouTube channel, but I, I do want to do a. It is YouTube. You were right. Your instinct America. was right. Okay, well that's good to know. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll note that we can put that in the show notes too. Um, and so what I wanted to do is another kind of popular form of internet um, ephemera is uh, the is drafting things. 
some of my favorite podcasts do this where you just pick a category and draft things and build teams kind of like the um you know the nba or nfl draft patty and i have some experience doing this together because we are in the same fantasy nba league very exclusive league yeah multiple years patty was good and who has won? Yeah, I think he, 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 he won at least once since I've been in. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think I've won. I've won it. Yeah, I've won it once. We take our NBA probably too seriously. This is the the foundation of our friendship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Friend, we're friend friends in the Lord <laughs> and friends in <laughs> um, LeBron James, I guess. Uh, also. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so we do this, we pick a team, you know, we, we build the roster out and then you see how it goes. We're going to build rosters of saints today. We have a lot to choose from. We're going to build rosters of five saints. The way it will work, we'll kind of go through, uh, we'll start with, um, one of the two of you and move through and each take a pick. Um, now in the traditional draft like this, it, it would be called a snake draft. So whoever picked first, we go one, two, three. And then the person picking third would also pick fourth, right. And go also, backwards. Right. Um, yes. So, Patty, I, I've heard that this is the way you prefer to draft in this case. We should just do it the way. Look, honestly, we should really not even be doing drafting. What we should really be doing is like we should have a uh, an auction for this stuff. Like we should have you know two hundred dollars each, and auction. we can bid on the, oh. on the saints that we want. Who's going to pay eighty five dollars for Ignatius? That's right. You're your star, <laughs> Patty. I think the Reformation was about something like that. <laughs> Uh, two points. One, how dare you? Two, um, <laughs> I think that we should do that. And if we're not going to do that, I think Snake um, Yeah. Is so the, the, uh, <laughs> I, I have done auctions before for, again, the the, the NBA one. And it is fun because you're always kind of in the game. It, it, it's not it's not set turns. But no, that's too yeah. much math. And we're a small operation, as in just me doing this now. Uh, so to keep track of that, no, um, no exactly. So, and we're not even going to do a snake. We're just going to do one, two, three, one, two, three, um, just to keep this simple. And because, do you know why? There's a good reason. Ah. There's so many saints. Uh, there are so many incredible saints that we couldn't even possibly get to them all. So I really don't think there's a huge advantage uh, to someone uh, who picks first. I'm lodging my official complaint with the same all right, registration. Well, we reach out to- so that's all. Yeah, there's, there's a dicastery in Rome, Patty. You should send them a letter, and I hope that um, you get a response because I would love to see what they would respond yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah, we've sent that complaint. We'll definitely pass that on. Uh, so, so thank you for launching it. Um, so, I will not. I will pick third because I am a gracious host. Um, oh, so, so humble. You I will to the gospel. Coin, I know, right? I did. I already. I did. I have been to mass today already. Uh, so that was good. Um, let's flip. I'm gonna flip a coin in my head, and Eric, you can call heads or tails. Uh, tails. Oh, it was heads. Oh. Patty, you can get the, you'll pick first, Eric second, and then I will pick third. So um, go ahead. Okay, Patty, this is um, this is really problematic. I can feel the evil spirit right on one shoulder right now because I know for a fact. And Patty, what would Father Ignatius tell you to do with the evil spirit? <laughs> I know for a fact that Father Sandro wants to pick Xavier first overall. Not only because you take Xavier and I will God. fly to New York and hurt you. <laughs> he is a graduate of Xavier University and he I work there. Exactly. And he's a missionary himself. Like Eric is his deeply missionary spirit. I know Xavier is really important to him. I am super tempted to take Xavier right now. But you know, look, out of the generosity of my own heart, I am going to be the bigger man and I'm going to not take Francis it's Xavier. Funny since he's shorter than me. I'm sorry for that. And instead, uh, excuse me, instead, I'm going to take um, St. Augustine of Hippo. 
Augustine of Hippo uh-huh. drafted number one overall. This, he is the, providing the uh, perennial LeBron James uh, status for our draft here today. Augustine of Hippo, one of the most important saints in the entire history of the church. Um, from For me, an incredible combination of spiritual depth and intellectual erudition. This is somebody I want on my team. He just had a feast day. Yeah. It was a big week for yeah, Augustine. last week. Can't argue with Augustine going really high in the draft. That That makes total sense to me. First overall, though, is bold. Yeah. I will say that. <laughs> well, then that means uh, my, my pick is not going to be a surprise to anyone that is actually listening to Patty's long and uh, winded rant. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with St. Francis Xavier. Um, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, Patty pointed them uh, out uh, before, but I think one of the things that's also really important is um, I am always struck by the friendship between uh, Ignatius Loyola and Xavier and how that led them to their own different missions and how they uh, lived that out together, the, the deep love and care they had for each other at the same time, realizing that the mission that the Jesuits were asking them to do and that the church was asking them to do was going to pull them apart. And uh, the stories there that I heard as a novice and have read in various books, I think that that just inspires me, especially in my own life and my friendships with my, my Jesuit buddies and, and you know the people I work with in ministry. I think that's, that's a wonderful um, uh, example for me. So that's, that's actually why I'm, I'm leaning to, uh, Xavier there. So I'm gonna take Xavier for my first pick. Can I, can I do a Jesuit autocomplete question sure. about Francis Xavier? Because I, I'm new, generally new to the Jesuit world. I'm learning, um, I, and I've been learning about Francis Xavier. So when you think about something like, uh, Xavier Francis's, um, involvement in the Goa inquisition, um, <laughs> What do you what do you think about like I, I I'm seriously asking like how, how do you ha- like respond to that I, I I don't know I would have to do some research on that and uh, double check I'm gonna imagine that Xavier was a pretty typical man of his time so I'm, I'm imagining some of his style and uh, mode there is going to be uh, considered problematic at least from uh, a modern angle uh, but wouldn't be as big surprise to me there well I'd have to look modern at angle. Like not just a modern angle, but from our uh, Jesuit, you know, contemporary understanding yeah. of what it means for us to do mission. But also this, like, yeah, there's some, there are going to be some problems there. But also this, if it were not for Xavier, we would not have been able to um, uncover over time what it really meant for us as Jesuits to do real enculturation, really incarnated mission work. And that took time for us to discover. So without him, there is no Ricci. Or there is no Denoboli. The people who, yeah. in our own tradition, are the ones who like, taught us that you do not have to bring Jesus with you when you go to a new place. You go there and discover where he is already present. So he was a beginning of that. Was he the end of it? No, but he's a beginning. Yeah, and I think that it's for me, like I asked that question largely because I, you know, thinking about what we have now, like cancel culture or ways that like even in American history, kind of reckoning with some of our older figures and our founding fathers and and their views on things. And how do we evaluate that? How do we judge that? And again, you go back through the church uh, history and see, um, yeah, there are th- people who don't perfectly line up to our modern norms about about things, no, our but, modern views. But we can't be um, puritanical about what parts of our tradition we allow to remain parts of our tradition. It doesn't mean that we have to celebrate those things. Like we can be embarrassed and ashamed about all of them, but we don't get to excise these things from our tradition. We continue to learn from mistakes. It's not that they, they cease being mistakes. They're mistakes. But then we learn from them and allow them to form us. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for, yeah, for handling that. It's a big, I think, ongoing question and important thing to remember for us. So thank you. Okay. So I get uh, my turn. Um, you left a big one on the board, y'all. So I will take her. 
Um, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I am taking St. Mary, the original, the first disciple. Um, I, my mother is named Mary, uh, so that, that definitely helps. But how can you not? Uh, we're teaching uh, our daughter, who's four right now, our older daughter, about, about Mary with the book of Mary and prayers and images and just such a, a loving, awesome. comforting figure who also challenges the status quo, the Magnificat prayer. Lifted up the lowly and cast down the mighty from their thrones. Such an inspiring prayer and way of being in the world. You just can't can't go wrong. Mary, the mother of God, my first overall pick. It's a great pick. Yeah, nobody can criticize that without falling into heresy immediately. So I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I was in my head running through like, how am I going to critique this? I can't critique this without getting in trouble. I'm just done. I'll let it go. It is. It is as it is. Let it be done. Unimpeachable. I, I really have to say, like, you know, when you said we were leaving a big person on the board, I thought you were going to go with the obvious big person on the board, which is like St. Ignatius, you know, the founder of the Society of Jesus. So I thought by letting him go with the second pick and that this was going to get snapped up with the third pick. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I, I don't. I think he's unmanageable. That's why I'm not picking him. I just don't. I think he, he's he's impossible to manage. And if I'm the manager making these picks, I I can't have that. He's team captain. Like he's team captain. I'm fine with that. I I would immediately lose control and be demoted, and rightfully so. <laughs> are are you uh, are you the making your second pick then? Yes, that's it. I'm taking Ignatius with my second pick. First draft, first pick of the second round, Ignatius. All right. Well, tell me about why. What about Ignatius? I imagine there had to be some pull from the founder himself as you were discerning your vocation to the Jesuits. Yeah, no question. I mean, the the answer truly is that I think Ignatius himself is a master spiritual psychologist. And all I mean by that is that he understood interiorly what it was like to be a human person and to struggle with the things that human persons struggle with and to succeed in the way that human human persons succeed. And you can see that in the kinds of prayers that he left us. Like, I think the best way to read what the spiritual exercises really are is a training man manual for the formation of human hearts. And this is a universal phenomenon. But so for someone to really be able to understand human beings through his own experience well enough to come up with something like this, this is a guy that uh, I immensely admire. And like the, the end result, like the final prayer of the spiritual exercises, right? The famous sushi pay, take Lord and receive all my liberty, all my memory, all my understanding, my entire will. Someone who can make that kind of a petition. That's a great saint. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. That's a beautiful reflection. Solid pick. It's a Jesuit podcast. What else are we going to say? Yeah, yeah. All right. Two Jesuits <laughs> off Jesuit. the board. Yeah. There are like dozens of other Jesuit saints, though, Eric, if you want to go that direction or surprise us, go some other way. What are you going to do? With I'm going to surprise pick? you and go another direction. Uh, I'm going to take St. Thomas Aquinas now. Um, I'm, I'm particularly interested in him because of his Stolen. ability <laughs> to, to deal to deal with uh, a culture in sort of with a lot of new information, new knowledge, new ways of knowing how to synthesize that, how to pull in wisdom of the tradition, how to engage old and new at the same time. And it's, it's stood the test of time. I just think he's a phenomenal example, especially in a time where we're talking about how science is affecting religion and, and all of our different knowledge and philosophical backgrounds for all these things. I just think Aquinas is somebody I want on my team. Also, I uh, would really prefer just to ask him questions rather than have to read him. So I think that's uh, another reason. <laughs> Although he is one clear writer, God love him. So uh, that's, 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 that's my uh, uh, aim for getting Aquinas on the team. All right. Well, I guess Aquinas and Augustine are often kind of held up as different strains of theological thought. So appropriate that they're not on the same team, I guess, though, all part well, of this. I, we're, I we're think all they're on the I think they would be on the dream team together, but uh, yeah, I, I would love to pin them against you. That'd be fun. 
<laughs> All right. I'm up. My second pick. I have one Mary. I'd like two Marys. Mary Magdalene, my second pick, the, the disciples. Ooh. The disciples. So um, a little background on why this pick for me now. I was in Rome visiting the Jesuit Curia for the first time in May, and we had all these meetings. I've never been to Rome. And so I go to Rome for the first time, and I'm in a boardroom at the Jesuit Curia all day for like all the, the entire time I'm there, which is like kind of frustrating to think about all the stuff that's right outside. But I was having lunch one day and there was an Australian Jesuit whose name I don't remember at the table who said, oh, if you only have a little time over lunch, you should run out to this church uh, over here. There was the Florentine church in Rome and Michelangelo probably went there and they have Mary Magdalene's foot. I was like, oh, that's incredible. What? Um, they have what? like this, they have this cast of Mary Magdalene's foot. Uh, so I was like, oh, this is great. This is such a Catholic thing, right? They have this relic there. So I went and visited and there's this in the front, there's this huge cast that really must have been like a size 14. Uh, and, and it says an assign, a sign next to it, like the first foot into the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. This was that foot, um, which was such a, a cool so thing. She was very tall and had large feet. Exactly. You never right. represented in the Gospels. Okay. Maybe that's why she was the fastest, I guess. But uh, so, yeah. Oh, she had a really long stride. Well, oh, exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Super helpful. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love the, Mary Magdalene. Uh, I feel like she's been denigrated and now being kind of rehabilitated. Not like she needs our rehabilitation, um, but just such a, a powerful model and someone who uh such deep faith and devotion and um we could learn a lot from her uh so i'll take mary magdalene for my second pick that's a great pick great pick it is a great pick to be honest yeah i really like that i can see her being like the diana tarasi of this draft right now oh yeah well she's <laughs> she's the best right the goat so i'll take it that's right Okay, um, so I'm going to continue. I've got Augustine and Ignatius. Um, obviously, my team is destroying you guys' team right now. And I think for my third pick overall, Not I'm, in a race. To, <laughs> I'm going to go with the third member of the founding trinity of the Society of Jesus, Peter Faber. So this is what I'm going with. The reason is this. Um, Faber is always kind of the forgotten member of the initial you know, founding triad of the Society of Jesus because he was a really quiet and a humble man. And one of the things that I love the most about him is he, he was sent by Ignatius to Germany during the fracturing times of the Reformation. So many towns that he was working in were already moved to Lutheranism and were uh, you know, disassociated with or frustrated by the church. And his mode of working in those towns was to minister through friendship. And so he would go in like very gently, you know, and to get to know people, love, care, reconcile. And in, through that process of friendship, help to reconstruct the church and to reclaim and to rebuild and to welcome people back into our Roman Catholic Church. And so that kind of model of evangelization is one I think we are in deep need of today, an evangelization of friendship. So I really learned from maybe like the San Egidio community there, the Roman San Egidio community. Maybe you got to see them when you were in Rome, Mike, and they're really uh, amazing people. But I think Peter Faber would be like their patron saint. I'm going to take him third, third pick. I think that's Pope Francis's favorite as well. Uh, I think yeah. you're right. Uh, Eric, any reflections on uh, the third founder? Uh, no, I think that's 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 spot on. I think I, I was expecting the three founders to go pretty quick, so this this makes sense. The college roommates, as I like to refer to them, <laughs> exactly. How cool is that? Pretty incredible. Yep. College roommates. I also roomed in college um, with the Jesuit, uh, the good father, the good father yeah. Michael Rossman, also of the Midwest Province, who's appeared on the show before, who serves as a vocations ah. promoter. So he and I were were in, never knowing at the time, early on in college, that we'd both find our way to the Society of Jesus in different forms. Um, 
So you know, yeah, you never so very, very, very similar, obviously, um, to those other. You duped <laughs> me, Lord, and I allowed myself to be duped. <laughs> uh, all right, Eric, you have pick number three. All right, so I think uh, I don't know if my logic is going to make sense to everybody here, but I think I'm going to probably go with Aloysius Gonzaga. Mm. So uh, this. This is because I'm thinking long-term for this team of Saints, and Gonzaga was quite young, so I'm thinking this is a talent will develop over time. Uh, he showed great promise early on, and then uh, he was he, he died at 23, so we, we barely got to see what he was uh, uh, capable of. So All upside all the time. A, all upside. So I'm, I'm picking this as a prospect. I think we're, you know, with Xavier there to sort of help uh, develop him and Aquinas to sort of tutor him a, a little bit, I think we, we could see something very, very special from this guy going forward, already showing so much promise early on. So that's why I'm going with Gonzaga. I like. Also, he renounced like a massive fortune and uh, um, uh, uh, power and fame. So this guy's got you know got what it takes to to be a strong leader. I like you're building a team of uh, complementary skill sets here, which is just a reminder of how no two saints are the same. That right that we all call to yeah. use our gifts in our own ways. Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga was fearless in the sense of he died uh, because of all of his care for people experiencing an epidemic. I mean, he caught what was going around, and that's what ended up killing him. So he just walks right into uh, what is needed. Okay, great pick. All right, my third pick, this is going to be a curveball, Francis Xavier Cabrini. The second Francis Xavier off the board, Mother Cabrini. I was told by a priest once uh, a good prayer is if you need a parking spot, Mother Cabrini, help my machini, and then you will soon find a parking spot in a busy place. Uh, I haven't actually used it yet, but uh, we'll do it soon. Anyway, uh, so Mother Cabrini, she was a missionary from Italy. She wanted to go to China, but the you know Pope said no, go go west instead, go to the U.S. and minister to the Italian immigrants there, which she did with this like incredible zeal and energy and uh, results. I mean, I think she founded like over 60 institutions, hospitals, schools, just meeting those needs, patron saint of migrants. And I think especially uh, in our time today when there's so many big conversations about immigration and how do we as a, as a country, as a church, welcome migrants. What a perfect uh, example of someone who just uh, didn't waste time kind of getting bogged down in big political debates, but just said, no, we're going to welcome, we're going to make our, our church and our country a place of, of welcome as best as we can. Uh, and so Mother Cabrini, my third pick. Well done. Yeah, good pick, Mike. No criticisms from me on this one. That's the best part about a Saints draft, and maybe also the worst part, is that there are really no good criticisms. You can't really make yeah. a criticism. I would it's criticize the, the phrase. Part. I'm going to criticize the phrase Cabrini, rhyming Cabrini with Machini, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't my. Yeah, that wasn't my my idea. <laughs> All right, Patty, you're on to your fourth pick. Okay, this is a tough one. I have like five people that I want to draft left, and I only have two spots left on my team. So, okay, I am really, I don't know, I feel very torn right now, but I'm actually going to go with um, someone who is not quite a saint, actually, but is still a blessed, um, John Henry Newman. And uh, I love Newman so Ah, much. Curses. (laughs) I love Newman so much. I actually was not trying to cut you off there, a snake in front of you there on that one, Sonny. But I love Newman so much because um, his work, his intellectual work was so foundational for the church coming to understand the importance of history in the, the uh, uh, conceptualization of what it means to live inside a Catholic tradition. So in the turn to modernity, which really throws so many things into crisis in the church and could make us close down our walls and put up high barriers. Instead, John Henry Newman looked back 
to the past of our own tradition, mined the resources there. Originally, he did this as an Anglican priest and then through his investigations, found his way into the Roman Catholic faith. And his mining of this really showed him that the tradition of the Catholic Church begins as a seed and grows from there. So this is a very important thing. The point of holiness does not lie all the way in the past. Instead, the point of holiness is the flower that is produced in as a tradition grows into the present and so allows us to be unafraid of moving and evolving and changing um, with the times, but especially with the times of our own tradition, not of some other pressures from the outside. So Newman really like absolutely one of my favorites and it's a man of immense courage and fidelity as somebody who I think can be modeled for us today. All right. Well, now, as you were saying, um, John Henry Newman, not yet been canonized, but because his canonization has been announced, the commissioner yep. and the commissioner has just let me know that that is a valid pick. Uh, we're allowed to okay, go there. Okay, thank you. I was, um, I was a little nervous. And your description. So essentially, you're having him leave college early now, right? Is that basically what's happening? <laughs> this is what we're encouraging? I really like it. Yeah. He's entering, uh, he's entering, you know, uh, petitioning the league to be able to enter after his second year. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Eric, you're up with your fourth pick. Okay, so let's see. I've got I've got one of the founders, well, not the founder, but one of the early Jesuits. I've got I've got Aquinas. I've got a Dominican. I'm going to take Francis of Assisi so I can just get the Franciscans. Ooh, in my good as well. pick. So this is, I think for me, um, my undergraduate degree is in biology, uh, focus in ecology. So and we all know the you know the stories of Francis of Assisi and the and the uh, birds and the animals and everything like that. But this focus um, on the natural environment. But I think even more than that for me, someone who was able to help bring about uh, reform in the church, who was able to envision new ways of going about things and really bring a whole sort of movement and a lot of people uh, to greater fidelity to the gospel. I think just an amazing example and just, you know, uh, from what his example springs forth, the Franciscan uh, traditions, and they're just I, I love them to death. They're amazing. And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, set of gifts that, uh, that we have in our church. So I'll, I want to pull Francis onto my team. As a layman himself, too, doing all of this. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great pick. I'm going to compliment your pick with my fourth pick, who is Claire of Assisi. These, those two go together, right? Uh, Claire, kind of like Gonzaga, a great like uh, riches to rag story of downward mobility, someone who was born into great wealth and kind of gave it up and then, you know, became this very radical example of um, what it means to, to be a disciple and founding the poor Claire's and writing uh, monastic rule, which is one of those first guidelines ever written by a woman, just to get another woman. Like I, I like the two of them together, uh, complementing each other, both kind of uh, with such incredible zeal at a challenging time for the church. So yeah, I'm happy to add Claire to my roster. Four women on your team, Mike. I like yeah, it. Yeah, and uh, I'll just go ahead and note that uh, the two of you I combined have zero, so I'm holding it down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to clobber us. The women will just swamp us. It'll be over. Uh, all right. I'm saving, I'm saving my, my, uh, my last pick. is going to be very special. All right. Well, you're up. Okay. Okay. Good. So, okay. Uh, there are lots of people, as I said, I want to, I want to mention for drafting. Okay. Just to mention people that are not going to be picked that I would really like to pick. Um, Augustus Tolton, incredible first black Catholic priest in America would love to pick him. Second would love to pick brother Alphonsus Rodriguez, really famous just for being the doorman at a Jesuit college. 
And he just answered the door. His simplicity and holiness there. Would love to pick him. Third, would love to pick Kateri Tekakwitha, the first Native American saint uh, in, in America. Really grateful for her and for her witness to holiness and for the way she's an example to so many Native American people here. The Lakota, especially on the Pine Ridge Reservation, really important to me where I spent a few years. But my pick is none of them. It is the great philosopher Edith Stein, Sister ah. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. This woman... What an example of intellectual rigor and personal holiness. Um, after she was born a Jew, the youngest, I think, of 15 children, 14 children, something like this, um, became a Catholic before the beginning of the Second World War, but during it um, had to flee from Germany um, in the face of Nazi persecution to the Netherlands, where she was still found by the Nazis and sent to Auschwitz where she died. Um, she, in fact, the, the, the story is, I hope this is true. If it's not one of those things that should be true because she was a Carmelite <laughs> and would spend a lot of time in, uh, in adoration before the Eucharist. The story is that she was taken from the chapel during adoration and brought to Auschwitz where she gave her life, you know, both as someone who is Jewish and someone who is Catholic and someone who is an incredible example of holiness in an intellectual rigor in the church. She was a student of Martin Heidegger's, like she was a giant of the of intellectual rigor. So a great gift to the church, grateful for her. All right. Great pick. Yeah, great pick indeed. So that's your your squad of five. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. So you're all, yeah. you're all set. We will evaluate the squads in just a moment. But first, final pick for Eric. Uh, I am going with Teresa of Calcutta. Um, mm. So I, th this is a little selfish on, on my part, but um, there's a couple reasons here. One, we, we talked about Cabrini and uh, helped me find a place for my machini. Um, <laughs> I had also heard that Teresa of Calcutta was the unofficial uh, uh, patron of those uh, in, that need parking, right? Because, and I love this story, and I also, I'm now at a university and a parish at, where like the biggest issue across the board for everyone ever is parking how do we get parking what happens when there's a basketball game what do we do there's just questions about parking all the time so i'm always praying to Teresa of calcutta because there, there is this story about she was able to get official parking spaces out of the mayor of new york city for a couple of her nuns that were doing work and no one else had been able to do anything remotely close to that. So I mean, that, like, that's serious clout. And so that's something <laughs> I want on my side, especially when I'm trying to figure out parking all the time. In addition to the fact that this is a woman of just amazing service, a modern saint, a saint that yeah. lived with the media blitz, so everybody's seen on TV, understands that, has worked through that. And a saint who's, who, you know, had a serious struggles with the dark night of the soul and was, you know, we're now reading more about that. I actually find that very inspiring that the depth of her uh, prayer and, and experiences of Christ could carry her for years and years and years in periods of dryness and desert. I think that can be very helpful for people um, as a model. So that's well, so uh, where I'm going. Yeah. I need places for these people to park um, on my team. So <laughs> in charge of that. Yeah. What, one, I, so the Teresa kind of scares me in a way that I think is important that, it, you know, I, that means I should probably spend more attention, pay more attention to her, spend more time with her just because like that, that life, um, like, there were no, you know, I've heard a speaker, Jack Jezreel, who's a Catholic speaker, founder of Just Faith Ministries, who talks about like, there are no success stories, no big wins from Mother Teresa. You know, she wasn't changing systems. She was accompanying people as they were dying and like, we're not bringing them like what, mm -hmm. I mean, wow. Like what, what a challenge for me as someone who wants to fix everything to have someone like that, um, who was kind of intimidating, uh, in her, 
internal and that's that's great we, i got teresa to put to, to intimidate yeah no she certainly there. does that's exactly so the the, the two of you have your your token female saints i need a token male saint um <laughs> my token male saint is oscar romero uh of el salvador um, who you know relatively recent saint just important to me someone again who was made an archbishop in el salvador who was not expected to really rock the boat um, but then kind of noticed what was happening uh, in that country and how people were being persecuted by uh, the repressive government. Uh, and then his friend, Jesuit friend, Julio Grande, was killed. And that really kind of sparked big change for Romero. So it's just someone I think of real conversion who then used his p place of power to, to speak out for justice. And so important now, again, I think we all have that that call to, even if we don't feel like it, like to use our voices, our power, our privilege to to speak up on behalf of justice, to accompany those on the margins. Uh, Romero did that in such a powerful way. I also love, again, he was also kind of seen as um, intimidating or people didn't know what to do with him for a long time, kind of left on the side. And then I think Pope, one of the gifts of Pope Francis has been bringing him back uh, to the center and uh, canonizing him where, where he belongs. So my fifth and final pick, Oscar Romero, which gives me a squad of Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, Francis Xavier Cabrini, Claire of Assisi, and Oscar Romero. Feeling pretty good about my squad. Uh, Patty, why don't you run down yours for us? It's a really strong team, to be honest. Like, you've got a really strong team there. But to, uh, I don't think you're really going to uh, be able to compete. Well, maybe with Mary, you can always compete. Like, all right, I can't really say that. But my squad is really incredible. Like, number one draft pick, Augustine. I can't believe you guys let me have Ignatius in the second round. After that, I get another member of the founding triad of the Society of Jesus, Peter Faber. You know, like the saint of friendship. Then John Henry Newman. How, how important is this guy? And Edith Stein. I think that my team is clearly like the, you know, like uh, intellectual dynamos of the church. My team name is going to be like uh, doctors. Like, it's going to be something like that. Okay. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it is no it's a again um, with these, these these squads like you really can't go wrong eric uh runs down yours oh so I've, I've got francis xavier um filling at the top there then i've got aquinas and then i've got um uh francis of assisi gonzaga uh, aloysius gonzaga and Teresa calcutta so i'm i can i can pull in from almost all the world's major religious orders um, so I, I can get a lot of favors done here pretty quickly. So that's you can tell how I think about my, uh, networking. I think that's what my team is, is, is based for. Like, how do I get a diversity of people to network as fast as possible? And that's what we're going on here. And I, I like the, the this sort of throwing in a youth pick there with Gonzaga. I figure he's going to be doing a lot of running around for for that. Team. Yeah, I, I do think I like all these squads. I will point out, I think, three steals. So getting Ignatius in the second round of the Jesuit Saints draft, Patty, big steal. I think getting Francis of Assisi in the fourth yeah. round, Eric, huge steal, uh, certainly. And I think you know, Oscar Romero at one time was top on my board before I decided, hey, let's make sure some female Saints are represented. Uh, so I went that way uh, and got him fifth feeling pretty good about that overall again really can't go wrong can't go wrong with uh, any squad we could do this all day with uh thousands of more saints um but yeah i want more picks. I want more picks. yeah no That's he's yeah I want that he's guy. incredible story uh, cattery was on my board too gianna bretamola was on my board um some really cool fascinating people uh models of holiness and faith for us um i know speaking of uh model of holiness and faith uh father eric has to celebrate mass coming up so we have a hard stop right now in three hard minutes all right minutes. well thank you so much for both of you for coming on and for making these great squads uh of saints uh we'll let people vote on who they think the favorite is on our social media channels um <laughs> 
Do I have to come up with a team name? I'm horrible at coming up with team names on the, on the spur of the we moment. We don't have to do it spur of the moment. Yeah, you can think about it. Um, and, All right, and I can mail we'll that in to you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get that offline. Uh, and I'll get my marketing team to talk about yeah, it, to network with no, people for that sure. they know. We'll, we'll work on it. Okay. Yeah, very important. Um, and also, uh, just a final reminder, go check out Jesuit Autocomplete on America Media's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, really love that series. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Really appreciate it. And have awesome rest of your days. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Mike. Appreciate you, Mike. You're doing a great job here, man. <laughs> All right. Take care. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Doris Sump, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org. We're on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know is interested in discerning a vocation to join the Jesuits, visit us at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>